Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Do want to wish all the mothers that are listening in happy Mother's Day. This is our special Mother's Day episode, and for all the fathers and kids and everyone who's not a mother listening in, uh, just a, a reminder to appreciate your mother on this special day. We do want to thank our mothers out there that are loving and caring um, for each of us, and just a blessing that it is to have mothers in our lives. We have invited to have on a podcast with us today, Shelly Rushing Tomlinson, and we have a great discussion, a word of encouragement specifically, I think, for ladies and mothers. Um, that's kind of the direction we took the interview um, with her, just enjoyed having her. She's got a great sense of humor, a joy to interview because uh, she answers questions and she runs with it and makes the job of a podcast host really easy. We discuss her upcoming book that's coming out, Seizing the Good Life, Discovering Peace and Joy Through the Study of John. We just have some fascinating discussions, and uh, I believe it's a great encouragement for all the ladies that are listening in specifically on this Mother's Day. Well, there's no time better than now to get started, so here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a new friend of the podcast, Shelly. Shelly, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you today. It's an honor to have you. Um, Shelly, I've spent the last probably week or so... um, Looking about you, looking uh, on the internet about you, getting information on you, but probably people on the podcast have not done that. Um, so, would you share just a little bit about yourself and um, all your love of all things um, Southern? Okay. Well, I tell you what, the thing about me that I always tell people that are introducing me, like, all you really have to say is she's just a Jesus loving grandmother. And that will really encapsulate it for me. That's where my heart is. But I am a farmer's wife living in Lake Providence, Louisiana. It's the northeast corner of the boot. And I am happy to have two grown children that are married to wonderful people. And they gave us six fantastic critters, grandchildren that we are busy uh, following all over everywhere But my passion is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. My passion is to get believers to understand and really plug into the great inheritance that we have and not settle below it, to just keep after him our whole lives. So that's me in a nutshell. For sure. Shelly, as I was looking and listened to a few podcasts you've been on in the past, you have a canny sense of humor. Where, just out of curiosity's sake for for me, that sense of humor, is that something you've always had? Is that something you developed? Um, Yeah, just your sense of humor. (laughs) Well, I like to say life is better when you're laughing because it really is. I say life can be hard when it's good, right? So it's always better when you're laughing. And I have this thing where I can laugh at all times because I like to make fun of me. I don't like humor at other people's expense. I love self-effacing humor because we're all weird. I mean, we just are. We're strange. And if we haven't figured that out yet, we haven't looked in the mirror enough and you know paid attention. But I was also born into the perfect setup to have a sense of humor because my grandparents mother on my dad's side we call him papa and that grandmother was just a walking storyteller she just had stories all the time coming out of her and then on the other side of the family I had my papa he was Reverend Marvin Stone 
Baptist preacher slash comedian. I mean, he loved to tell jokes and uh, stories. And so I grew up with that where everyone had a story and everyone was making a joke. And if you've ever played jump rope, Aaron, years and years ago, and you know how the rope does run, you try to get into the conversation. Well, that's pretty much waiting for an opportunity to jump into the conversation without getting clotheslined by jump rope and tell a story. So I think it was, it's a little bit of genetic and just um, a whole lot of Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. So just thought everything that I, I listened to and read about you, it, your sense of humor came out. And so that was, uh, I thought, just wanted to ask you just out of a curiosity sake, that one, one question. Um, Today, this is our special Mother's Day episode, and uh, we're going to spend some time today talking about the good life and, um, yeah, your your study on the book of John. And um, how does the book of John inform the good life, and how does that specifically speak to mothers? What a fantastic question. I love that setup. I mean, there's so many ways I could go with that and, and bore your audience. So I'm going to try to be succinct, but I wrote Seizing the Good Life, not just to, of course, I want skeptics to believe. Of course, I titled it that way because even the world's looking for the good life, right? They, Everyone's after the good life. And so hopefully people that don't know Jesus would pick up this book that says Seizing the Good Life and, and run into Jesus. And then beyond that, I wrote it to help believers keep believing, in our world, because it's a turbulent, dark, crazy, confused, angry world, right? And I want to help believers keep believing in this glorious gospel that is ours. And so when we talk about the good life, um, immediately, I have to say, I am not talking about the big house and the fat bank account and the perfect children and all the things that the world thinks are the good life, because you and I have both lived enough days on planet Earth that we know those things do not insulate us against Mm -hmm. sorrow and grief and tragedy. And the things that Jesus promised us, you know, hint, hint, that there would be, I mean, he's like promised us there's going to be troubles and troubles and tribulation, but he's with us. So the good life is is plugging into that and understanding how to live life with Jesus, not just to worship him on Sundays or have a, a, a devotional time with him during the day and walk out of it and try to just get it done on your own. But no, the good life is mm. plugging in and listening to Jesus and looking for Jesus and following him in the middle of it all because he did this amazing thing where he gave us the ability to do 1,000 things while we're beholding him. I can't Hmm. explain it. It's over my (laughs) head and and my pay grade, but we can be doing the most intricate task, or Hmm. we can be cooking for our family, or we can be, you know, flying a Boeing 747. Not that I've ever done that. It just came to me, (laughs) but no one would probably be wanting to be on the plane. But my point is we can be doing anything and everything. And at the same time, be conscious and aware of Jesus and letting him inform what we're doing. That is the good life. Uh, that's a good word. That's a good word. Shelly, you kind of uh, mentioned it there. So for a mother, um, she's preparing meals. She has young kids at home. 
Um, she might not think that this is this season of life is the good life. She's thinking of maybe once my kids are older, the kids are out of the house. Uh, maybe she's thinking about um, being a grandmother like you. What words of encouragement maybe would you have for a younger mother with younger kids and this idea of the good life? And maybe she's thinking this doesn't if this doesn't seem like the good life with young toddler kids running around. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I remember those days. And when I had my brands, I remember them all over again. But young mother, if I could just speak directly to you and let you know how very important you are in the kingdom of God. Hmm. The people that you are raising, those, those troops that you're in charge of that are driving you crazy right now. You know, and you just think the days are long. And, you know, those of us with some perspective, we we know that the years are short. The days are long and the years are short and they will be out from underneath uh, your direct tutelage. But the first thing I think, Erin, that we can give to that younger mom is to just give her the gift of helping her break off the idea of, um, like maybe she thinks she can't pursue Jesus the way, you know, mm -hmm. you and I are talking about or are just marinating him because of all the craziness around sure. her, right? Because of all the Pretty kids good. and everything that's going on. But, but if we give her the gift of understanding and, and helping her plug in with Jesus right in the middle of it all, and, and by illustration, I'll tell you this, and maybe then she'll believe that I really know what I'm what I'm encouraging her to do. <laughs> so sitting, standing at the sink one day, and I had all my grandchildren here. I have something called Keggy Camp. Keggy's my grandmother's name. And, and I have Keggy Camp during the summer where I bring all the grands to the lake. And, and it's all about Jesus. We It's like VBS at Keggy's, Vacation Bible School at Keggy's. But we have devotions in the morning. And then we play on the lake and go see the great-grandparents and go to the farm and, and do all the things, right? But this particular morning, I was standing at the sink, Aaron. And I had not been able to have as much time with Jesus as I wanted before they all woke up, you know, and, and I kind of said to him, I was whispering, I was doing dishes and I said, oh, I just I wish I could just, you know, have some more time with you this morning alone without the grandson. And, and I felt Holy Spirit tell me, just mm. bring them with you. Just bring them with you. And this is my message for younger women, to bring them into the presence of God with you, not to look for that time in your life when you're raising a family that's very rare, <laughs> right? Unless you barricade yourself in the bathroom and then their little baby <laughs> fingers are up underneath the door. It's, it's rare to find that uninterrupted time. Don't let that keep you out of Jesus's presence. Just mm -hmm. go to him with everyone around you. Bring them in with you because your children from you and they're going to learn how to incorporate him into their lives by how you incorporate him into your daily life wow. so you know while you're doing all the things just talk to him about jesus just praise him bring a scripture and just involve him in your day instead of looking for that isolated um segment of time did that make sense <laughs> made a ton of sense made a ton of sense so then i'm gonna i'm gonna shift the perspective on the question asking so the other thing is, is I think maybe we get to, a, I'm about to have both of my kids out of the house. And so for a mother that her, her kids are out there, they're not no longer at home. And she's looking and saying, well, that was the good life then uh, when the kids were at home. Because I think it isn't a human nature that we, we, whatever season of life we're in, we wish we were in a different season of life. At least that's how I am. 
Um, so maybe some words of encouragement for the good life for, I know you have a heart for gram, being a grandmother and grandmothers out there. Any words of encouragement for women that are in that stage of life? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm just nodding so much on the side of the screen while you were talking, like my head's about to fall off. Like, yes, I get it. I get that when we're younger and we're younger women with all the kids, we're thinking, oh, I need some time when they're older. And then when we're older, we're like, oh my gosh, I want the days when they were younger. And and only Jesus, only Holy Spirit can help us stay in this moment, mm. you know, in this one right Sure. And so I'm always asking him, I would encourage them to ask Jesus to help them stay right where they are, right where they are right now, because you, grandmother, are so important. I have a friend, um, Chris Howard, if, if anybody in your audience remembers Duck Dynasty or is a yeah. Duck Dynasty fan, Chris would be Willie Robertson, Boss Hogg's mother-in-law, okay? And she and I do um, a lifestyle site together called Rocking It Grand. But it's about intentionally passing the faith on to the next generation. And this is what grandmothers get to do because we have some, a little bit of you know, perspective. It doesn't matter my grandmother friends think that because they're not living next door in the same city, they can't pass their faith on or they can't be involved in their lives the way they want to. And I have both. I have grands here in town with me and I have grands seven hours away. And I'm here to tell you that you can if you're intentional about it. And and to tag along with that, if I'm not sucking all the X oxygen out of the podcast, um, I've got to say this, Erin, that what we can do um, fellow grandmothers, women my age, we can look at the world around us and we can fret about our grandchildren, right? Like yeah. uh, all what's being taught them and what's in the culture. And we could just, oh my gosh. Well, I want to encourage all of us to remember that we have not been orphaned on planet Earth and their mm. grandchildren and mine have not lost the cosmic lottery that, you know, that they were born in this day and oh, bless their hearts. I mean, I'm very Southern expression. But meaning, oh, poor babies, you know, they have to grow up now. No, grandmothers, mothers, your children and mine were born in this day for this hour on purpose. The Bible tells us that our boundaries, where we live and our time, what time we live on planet Earth, were all determined by our Heavenly Father. And your grandchildren have purpose. Don't look at them as victims. You just empower them to be victors. You teach them God's word. You, you teach them about Jesus and we can help them fulfill their purpose rather than wring our hands because of what they're uh, exposed to. Uh, that's a good word, and I appreciate your passion um, on that subject. I that was a good question because you you're passionate on that, and uh, really really appreciate it. <laughs> the next question I have for you it kind of ties into that. Um, in in the book, you talk and share that the idea of having ever growing faith in real life change, um, but that that kind of flies in the face of a faith of today that's we were looking for it to be more comfortable and easier and more about a faith that fits into the lifestyle we want to live or our conditions for our life rather than the one that maybe John describes. Could, could you share a little bit about that for us? I would relish that opportunity <laughs> because the gospel of John has literally nothing far to say to those of us. If we are trying to 
unpack our faith, deconstruct it. I know that's a popular buzzword, but if we're trying to unpack our faith and put it back together in a way by that that's comfortable to us, which is what so many people are, I see doing, like I call it in the book, an a la carte approach to the Christian faith where they just like True. pick, I like this, I like that, I don't like this, and I don't like that, you know, right. and then we try to put together this comfortable faith. The Gospel of John and Jesus himself has nothing to say to help us if that's what we're doing. But Jesus, through the Gospel of John, has everything to say to us if we take the whole enchilada and we're like, teach me, because the the Gospel message is about transformation. We're not supposed to pick and choose this and that. Jesus says, I want to live it all for you. Now, granted, this part's going to be hard for Aaron, and this part's going to be hard for Shelly, but y'all can be iron against iron, teaching each other about me. And if you keep your eyes on me, I will help you with that hard part. I will transform you in that area where you are more susceptible to sin than Aaron is. You know, he knows us all intimately. And the and the beauty, and, and this is really one of the main reasons I wanted to write about John, is because we tend to act like Jesus is grading us from afar, right? Once hmm. we are born again, and we're, we're, you know, we're learning about sanctification, big old word that just means becoming more like Jesus. We're learning you know, about transformation, and we're like, oh, I don't, I don't know that I'm doing well. And we grade ourselves, and we act like Jesus is grading us when it's exactly the opposite. Hmm. Jesus had harsh words for those who opposed him. For those who were opposing the kingdom and opposing his, he had harsh words. But for the stumbling, bumbling disciples that we meet in the gospel, John, that looked just like Shelley, you know, trying to figure this thing out. Jesus was constantly saying the most amazing things to them. Like he would tell them, okay, I'm telling you this, whatever he was teaching at that moment. He'd say, I'm telling you this so that when this happens, hmm. you will believe. And when we first look at that, we're like, what, what did it? They already believe? I mean, this was the big 12. This wasn't sure. me. You know, this was the <laughs> I mean, didn't they believe? And Aaron, they did. But they were like me and you. They were walking on this dusty planet, and there were questions and doubts assailing them and all of this. And so Jesus is saying that to us. He is always with us trying to strengthen our faith, wanting to not grade it, but strengthen it. He's partnering Mm -hmm. with us. If we will partner with him, he is ever present to grow us in our faith. No, it's it's a... A great word. I, that that mention there of a la carte faith that that resonated. The idea resonated with me. I'd never heard it put that way, um, but it made so much sense um, when I read that and as you shared it here again. Do you think that's just a culture, the place that we're in today? Is that a generational thing um, when it comes to wanting to have a faith that that we want to put together? Any more thoughts on that? Well. Um, now, I'm no theologian. I, I will remind you that I'm a grandmother, so this is just my opinion. Um, but I feel like it, a lot of that comes directly out of our culture's admonition that you do you. 
You mm. you do you, Aaron. You do you. You know, you yeah. you do what makes you feel good and what your truth is. When Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth, there is no yeah. truth apart from Jesus. But but the the whole relative idea that so many have been raised in and steeped in now in our culture that your truth is good for you, but your truth doesn't apply to me because yeah. I have a different truth, you yeah. know, is lending itself to this same thing, yeah. like infiltrating the body of Christ. And sure. I told someone recently, I had someone, oh, bless his heart. He was, um, so he was working in my house. He was doing something at the dish, uh, the TV. And so he's kind of like a, a captive audience. I, I talked to him about <laughs> Jesus the whole time. And he was talking about his truth. And I said, because he wasn't a believer, and, and yeah. he, he was very nice. I loved him. He was so sweet. And I love to talk to people that have all kind of different views. I don't get offended. I just, I'm like, this is how I, you know, this is what I want to tell you. But anyway, he, when he mentioned that to me, because he was very much a product of this generation, you know, that your truth is your truth. Sure. And, and he said, um, but, but Miss Tomlinson, I think he was calling me that. He said, that's your truth. And, and so I was telling him that there is truth, that mm. there is not a thousand truths, you know, that can be, that there's one. And he kind of, I, I could tell I had his attention because Holy Spirit was kind of, you know, right there in that moment. So I pointed out to my doc, right. And I said to this young guy, I said, so you know what? My truth is that, if I walk off that dock, I'm going to fall under the water, whether I think I can walk on top of the water or not. Now, your truth might be that you can walk on that water. You That may be your truth, that you can step off the dock and sure. walk on the water. And I told him, I said, but you know what? If both of us walk off the dock at the same time, we're both going under at the same time because yeah. there is a truth. There are laws <laughs> of the universe. There's principles, and they all come through Jesus Christ. And, I mean, it, you could tell his mind was like trying to absorb, yeah. you know, that idea. And so I think in so many ways that's what we're combating is yeah, that true. idea. That's a great word. It's a great word. And you shared in there in the that the idea that you're comfortable engaging with people with with different ideas and different um, perspectives. And I think that's, to me, that's so valuable because I think sometimes in the Christian world, we're only comfortable, we're willing to engage people that believe like we do exactly like we do. So how, Shelly, how have you grown? Is that something you've grown into, developed, um, being willing to engage and not being threatened by that. Um, it's really hard to share the gospel for threatened by people that believe differently than we do. Um, but any, 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 any thoughts on that and how you've grown and how you can encourage each of us um, to grow in that uh, ability to have conversations with people that, that don't see the world the way we do? Wow. Can we do another podcast on that topic? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things to say about that. First, let me address one of your questions towards the end. Yes, I have grown in that. That okay. has not been something that I knew Holy Spirit has helped me. I have asked him to help me. I, I want to have soul, the soul winners crowned to lay sure. at Jesus' feet. I want to evangelize. And yet in our culture, it can be hard. And what, what I have learned, didn't already know by any stretch and not um, proficient at by any stretch is, but what I have come to understand is my tiny, tiny part 
My tiny part is hugely important, but it's still a part of what God is doing on this planet. And when we interact with people that do not believe like we do and we value them, See, that, that's where I was not for much of my life. Like if I brought mm. the gospel to someone and they didn't agree or immediately, you know, we didn't have a point of conversion or, you know, whatever. Sure. I was like, well, I, I really don't know anything else to say to you. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit has taught me that they are, I mean, that person's before me is in the Imago day. They're made in the image of God and they have purpose and they have value yeah. before and after they come to Christ Jesus. And sure. If they don't, they have value because they are God's creation. So to illustrate that point, I was on a plane recently coming back from a speaking engagement, and uh, my, my seatmate was this young Hindu guy. And I was a little bit, here's total honesty, in that I think I want to shut down mode. You know, you're yeah. like, I really oh, don't yeah. want to talk. I've been talking about that's, this. That's me. Uh, that's me. That's yeah, me on a plane. Yeah, I really want to shut down here. But this young guy, like less than half my age, is keeps kind of trying to engage. He's kind of talking. And so finally, Holy Spirit's like thumping me on the forehead, like, excuse me, <laughs> may I get you out of your bubble? You know, there's someone here to talk to. So I began to talk to this young guy, handsome young guy from Iran. And I, of course, began to talk to him about Jesus. And and he was polite as the day is long, but he was having none of it. You know, he was Hindu and he was cool. having none of it. And so this is what happened. I told him what I believed. He told me what he believed. And I didn't discount his presence after that. Mm -hmm. We kept talking. We we had the best time. I had him tell me more about, you know, what he, I'm not real uh, learned on the Hindu faith, uh, the Hindu religion, excuse me. You know, what What would you tell me if, if you wanted me to know? And and so he talked to me. And then I learned about his family and his um his. Uh, sister that her parents were trying to arrange their marriage and he was Americanized enough now he didn't want them to. And anyway, <laughs> her whole family history by the time we got off that um, plane. But Aaron, the thing is, he engaged with me. He looked me up on social and he is staying in touch with me. Wow. Are we talking about Jesus every time? No, but I'll yeah. send him a book. Yeah. I'm like, I really want you to read this. And they're like, I will. I promise you I will. And so we're staying engaged. And that yeah. is such a new understanding mm-hmm. in my own life of how to be this witness, how to live like an open book and, and value people yeah. and give them the gospel, but understand how how much God treasures them right now when they're lost sheep and that it's, it's just not up to me to say, Oh, well, they didn't, they didn't receive what I had. And so I'm moving on to the next mark. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. That's good for sure. For sure. And, um, that's my prayer, honestly, Shelley. Is um, I'm uh, when I get on a plane. Normally, I, I'm not. That's not my evangelistic moments or my po- moments of engagement. At the same time, you're sitting beside somebody you probably wouldn't have met any other way, and we believe that we have a sovereign, sovereign God that puts us in situations for a reason. I, I do, I do need to take it serious. But when I get on a plane, normally, uh, I'm, I'm not wanting to talk. But, uh, but, but uh, anyway, God is good, and uh, we trust Him. Shelly, you share uh, another thing you share um, is the idea that, that Jesus's message 
of crucifying ourselves goes in contrast to the ideas that we promote, we defend, and we trend ourselves. And I think that's something that I've seen um, and a difference between in motherhood and for mothers over the last 20 years is this idea of ne- needing to be the perfect mom and promote uh, motherhood and that that full intention that that I'm the perfect mom and and I've seen it it creates a lot of stress and it creates a lot of tension to be to be this perfect mom. How does the idea of Jesus crucifying himself uh, for asking us to crucify ourselves? How does that speak to the idea of culture's idea that we need to promote, we need to trend, and we need to yeah push ourselves to the forefront? Is that is that a fair question? Yes, that is such a fair question. And Aaron, you know, one of the first things that we need to say is that just crucifying ourselves, just bringing that truth home and wanting to live that life, it just dissipates all that pressure, right? Mm. Because all of our young moms and and grandmothers, all of us are in a culture that's like, look at me, look at me, I need influence, I I need followers, I need, you know, look at me, look at me, I need to take another selfie because the last selfie didn't look exactly right. This is a better selfie, (laughs) you know, and just... We curate our image, our yeah. image. We curate our images. And I say in the book, and then we we put them up in the face of other people. They're curating their images. So they've got to curate more images to compete with our images. And, <laughs> and we are supposed to be imaging Christ Jesus. And when we want to live, and, and I'll circle back to the reason I'm saying like want to live, the crucified life is when when that is our goal and our pursuit and we're trying to live a life that looks away from us and points to him there there's the peace there's the joy there's the comfort there's all the promises of the word right when yeah. we're looking away from ourselves and looking to Jesus but now the important thing that you heard me say is I want to Okay, because like Paul, I have to die daily (laughs) because I wake up with Shelly susceptible to that that um, influence thing and that the world is pushing. Now, I wake up to that. We all do. And just for me, one way I've learned uh, to do that. And and I tell women all the time. uh, So in case there's someone listening to me that can't physically do this, the first thing I do in the morning, like when I when my eyes open, I slide to my knees before slide to my feet Hmm. and that's not my prayer time i'm just like bowing on my way to the you know to to get the day started but what i'm saying and and i'm kind of talking to jesus whispering while i'm headed to the bathroom you know get the day started but what i'm saying i'm acknowledging that i want you to boss me because Hmm. i'm going to want to boss me if you don't Hmm. boss me i i like to boss the world you know Hmm. the people around me I, i want to be in charge but I want you to be in charge. And it's just me making Shelly aware. It's a habit I've developed. And you can do that in your bed with your when your eyes open without, you know, going to your knees. Just that first moment. I just wake up like I give this day to you. This is your day. Boss me here. Hmm. And so understanding that that self is like that. Oh, I, I don't watch scary movies anymore, but I used to as a teenager. And I remember the boogeyman always came back. 
<laughs> right? They would think the boogeyman was dead, and then the boogeyman would come back, and you're yeah. like, look behind you, look behind you, there he is. Well, that's us. That's us, yeah. Aaron. The boogeyman of self comes back. We we True. think, you know, we did it. We're, we're crucified to Christ Jesus. And then um, before we know it, look behind you because the boogeyman's coming back and we're wanting the attention again for us or we're trying to do this or that for us. And and the strength is realizing that, hmm. realizing that that happens and just being in front of Jesus all the time saying, I need you. I need you. I need you to help me live for you because me can't do it. You know, yeah. I need you. And he yeah. is so willing to help us live the crucified life. He yeah. is so present to help us. No, it's, I think the, the other thing, I don't know. I think it maybe it's, I've, I've, uh, I'm getting older, obviously the, the, the way that I could convince myself, I think as a younger person, um, I'm realizing that battle with myself is a lot um, stronger and a lot uh-huh. harder and a lot. I like to fight things that I can get over, you know, and you shared it. It's it's a daily thing. And so I like to fight battles. Hey, check that one off. I did that one last week. I can move on. But I think the thing with the battle with myself is, man, it's, it's and it's can be. There's times I get tired of fighting it and it's easy just to want to give in and follow drift. I say, you know, if the I, I, our culture doesn't drift us towards Jesus, and so I think that's this battle with self. It really resonated me with me as you shared it uh, and wrote about it, and this idea of and how John encourages us um, to to live like Jesus and uh, not be caught up in that cultural drift. And uh, yeah, is it just me, or is that something you think we we see more as we mature, as we get older in our faith, and and honestly in years? Or do you think it's Aaron's just slow because he's from West Virginia? He didn't realize it till he was like in his thirties. So, <laughs> well, Shelly would be slow too. Then <laughs> I, I think it's that just in that that nature, you know, that nature that we're born with. Now, when we recognize it, that that's a, a whole nother ball of wax, you know, because yeah. I say that I didn't. I, understand Paul completely Aaron because I didn't understand the way that that was working in me until I wanted to pursue Jesus you know when I was just sitting in church sure. um checking off the church life yeah. uh, I was a, oh I was in church nine months before I was born and thereafter you know so I always knew the gospel and I went I came to Christ at an early age but but I had Jesus like on the side, you know, yeah. I was just doing my life. I, I wanted eternal inherit in, uh, security, you know, but, but I was just doing my life and I had Jesus on the side and I didn't understand the pull of that nature until. And so I think there's the crucible. There's the breaking point for yeah. so many believers. It's when we decide, oh, I want you. I want all you. I want you to have the hope light. Yeah, you know, I want to pursue you. That's when we begin to be aware of that boogeyman, that opposing yeah. self that's like, oh, no, I want to live for, I want to live this life. Yeah. It's about me, you know. And um, I believe it's a, such a gift if we can begin to understand the gift of seeing it, hmm. this, this paradox or this uh, quandrum as a as a gift from Christ Jesus, because if I could check it off, when I, I would go back to the throne, right? Sure. I mean, if I could get it done and check it off, and that's it, and not have to 
lived the crucified life daily because I lived it once and I, you know, and I did it, then I would not be in touch with Jesus. But it's a gift to know how needy I am because that need puts me back before him. Yeah, it's a good word. It's an encouraging one, too. Um, Shelly, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you about, um, I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about what there does seem to be a lot of negativity in the world and um, you see different things. There's also, also positive things. But how can mothers, and this would go to mothers and fathers too, but this is a special Mother's Day episode, so we're going to focus on mothers. How can mothers learn to grow in fact-checking um, what the world is saying with what the Word says, specifically maybe when it comes to their family, maybe when it comes to their relationship with their spouse or with their kids? How, how can mothers grow in that fact-checking, the the word, using the Word to fact-check the world rather than the world fact-checking the Word? Does, is that, does that make sense? Oh, how, yes, incredibly, and how necessary, right? Yeah. Everyone's a fact checker, you know, <laughs> and we don't know whose checks, whose facts to check, right? We don't yeah. know who who to trust in their ability to check the facts. And so yeah. if we look around the world and their uh, version of fact checking, we, we are going to really be in a pickle. But I take the um, the image, the picture, and the story that, that John gave us right there at the end of his gospel. When Jesus has been resurrected, he's fed the guys on the beach. He's restored Peter to fellowship, right? And, he, and then in this particular moment, Peter asked Jesus, and this is so us in our, our um, tendency to compare, right? Peter looks behind him at John, and, and Jesus is just giving Peter a hard word, not a word he really wanted to hear about how he was going to end the, you know, his life. And Peter is going, he points at John. He's like, uh, what about him? You know, like, I mean, tell me, how's this going to work out for him? And Jesus says to him, if I will that he is on the earth when I come back, my paraphrase, what is that to you? You follow me, mm-hmm. which is the know the breaker for all the comparison you follow me Shelly you keep your eyes on me but what I found so fascinating is that John tells us that so a message went around that this disciple would never die and then John says these precise words he says but this is not what Jesus said so one of the first things that we have to see is the message that went around that twisted that came from who the disciples, the closest <laughs> ones to Jesus, did they do it on purpose? Probably not. Did they yeah. try to stop start a rumor? I'm just going to say probably not. I don't know that. I'll ask them when I get to heaven. But it's like playing telephone when we were a kid and you one person something and it gets all the way around the room and we all laugh because it was nothing like, you know, the message that you started. Maybe it happened that way. But the point is that John says to us, but this is not what Jesus said. And so there's our fact check. With all mm. the things that are going on in the world and all the fact checkers and the what the world is, and it's always to be, go back to the word, what did Jesus say? And that's where we learn to fact check. Yeah, good. It, it's, it just... It was it was very much an encouragement to me um, when I got to that part of the book and was reading that. 
uh, just a great reminder um, that because I think sometimes, as you said, we're we live in the age of Google where we can Google everything. I think, you know, I've heard people say is parenting. You know, we lost a lot of our our wisdom when Google became more popular because our kids can watch a YouTube video about it or Google about it before they need to ask us. Um, at the same time, mm-hmm. going to God's word, asking the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom and guidance and direction on what is true and what is not true. I, th- that's what, when I read that, it was just a reminder to me to using God's word and asking the Holy Spirit to give me guidance and direction um, when I'm hearing something, um, to hear from him oh, first yeah. and to prioritize that. So, yeah, I really, really, really appreciate it. Oh, One last question for you, Shelly, and then I'm going to ask you to pray for us. Uh you share in, okay. about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in our life. Um, and so I just mentioned that idea of, of staying tuned to hearing God's voice. What does How does John help us understand the Holy Spirit and staying attuned and hearing God's voice? Oh, I love the Spirit's voice, don't you? I mean, when we learn to hear the Spirit's voice, there is no addiction greater. There is no pull greater than wanting to hear that voice again. I've got to tell you this, and then I'm going to answer your question, because first I just got to, because it's like circling in my head, say thank you, Aaron, for reading the book. (laughs) I have been interviewed by people that have no clue about a book before. Um, This is my 12th book coming out, and so I've had a lot of experiences, and it's always so amusing to me when someone knows nothing about what I'm talking about. But you, um, thank you, you have clearly read the book, and I appreciate that because you, you know, you have talked today about things that impacted you, and and that's a blessing to me. But about the Spirit's voice, I'll I'll get back on task here and and answer your question. I I believe that one of the the things that we need to understand, and and I tell women all the time, like when the Word says in John uh, 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me and, you know, they follow the spirit's voice. And and I often ask women, does that make you uncomfortable? How do you feel when the word of God says you hear God's voice? Hmm. And it's always a moment because there's going to be unbelievers in every audience. And and it's always a moment. Aaron and I'm going, well, there's two answers I want to give you today. One, I do not want to discount that you may not be a sheep. I do not want to discount that. It could very well be that you're trying to be a good person, that you're trying to go to church. You know, maybe you came out of a a horrendous life and you decided to turn over a new leaf. I mean, maybe you were born in church and you you just have your family's faith, but you never gave your life to Jesus. That could be true. But I tell them there's another reason you may not know his voice. And that's because you don't expect to hear it and you're not listening. Hmm. Because when we go, when we make a practice of going to Jesus, now, do I hear him every time? Oh, absolutely not. I can ask a question and not hear and not give an an, get an answer. But I believe that he heard my request to guide me. And and I have to trust that he's speaking to me. And as I move forward, trusting that he's going to speak to me because I asked him for guidance. And then, you know, you're guided that way. And then the more of a lifestyle of, of listening, asking and listening, seeking and listening, going back and forth to him. Um, at the end of John 10, verse 9, Jesus says, when he's talking about those sheep that hear his voice, he says, they come in and go out and find pasture. And that phrase, come in and go out, 
is an idiom that just means go about your daily activities. He's telling Mm. those who are listening to recognize that phrase. And they knew that he was talking about those who go about their daily activities, listening for me, learn to discern my voice. So there is the the biggest thing that secret that shouldn't be a secret about hearing Holy Spirit is listening for his voice going about our day. I used to tell my, my kids when they were younger and when they'd be praying about a big decision, you know, that they had to make. And I would tell them, don't wait for the writing on the wall. You pray, you ask the Lord to guide you. And then it's just like you can drive a car in neutral. You you have to put it in drive to go yeah. right or left. So you yeah. ask the Lord for his guidance and you begin moving. And there's where your faith comes in. You are believing that he's guiding you as you move. And we get that backwards. We want to just like sit still until you write it on the wall. And I know exactly what to do. There's no faith required for yeah. that. That's good. Good, good word. I had a friend tell me one time we were in a conversation. He said, Aaron, if you have to logically understand it and uh, mentally understand it, then there's not faith involved. And he said, it's like a father or a mother telling their child to do something. And once, if the child's not obedient, if they already agree with it and want to and logically understand it, he said, that's where the obedience and the faith kicks in. And for some reason, that illustration of the way he shared it really resonated with me. Because there's a lot of times that I don't want to, I hear the Spirit's voice, um, but I don't want to step out and do it until I logically understand it, process it, it makes sense to me. Um, but then I guess that kind of goes back yes. to the fact-checking thing with the word. So anyway, um, but it's a be lying to say I get it right all the time. Um, but at the same time, being willing to step out in faith, you know, is uh, definitely a challenge, yeah. especially for a science guy like me who likes to see everything, um, have a, a theory and a, a hypothesis and everything proven before you move on. So anyway. Right, right. I get yeah. it. I get it. That's good. That's good. Shelly, it's been awesome, and it's been a phenomenal pleasure to have you on the podcast. Will you pray for a special Mother's Day prayer for all the mothers that are listening in on this Mother's Day? Oh, I would be delighted. Thank you for the opportunity. Father God, we come to you today thanking you, Lord, that you, I I just want to say in advance, you want to answer the prayer that I'm about to pray, because I want all the mothers that are listening to us today to just know you to just find that peace and joy in their mothering that comes only from you. Father, I'm thinking of Peter who said, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And I thank you that that reminds me that there is always more peace and more more joy, more understanding than we currently have. There's always more. And so may the mothers that are listening today, may Aaron and I, may everyone that's hearing this, just refuse to settle for less of you. Help us circumcise our hearts to love you more, circumcise our hearts to hunger for your word. Cause us, Lord, to put you first. Help us to sacrifice ourselves to to live a life crucified to you so that our children and our grandchildren can see what it's like to walk through life with Christ Jesus and want you for themselves. We thank you for that. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. Amen.